We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the KC Laboratory, brought to you by Imprice Bank member FDIC. It is Broncos week once again. I feel like we just did this, but... We're going to run it back, hopefully with a little better result here. And we are going to run back our game preview podcast without Kent. Once again, it's just me and Maddie. Maddie, my friend, how you doing? I'm actually now in my head trying to figure out what this would look like if we just replayed the exact same game preview from a couple weeks ago, but but we just made Jordan cut out everything Kent said. So it would just be us two telling like two thirds of a story and just make Jordan do all the work. We're not even here. I, that think? would be fun. I, I feel like we should try that just one time just to see if anybody catches it, especially, yeah, let, cut me out. Let, let's leave you and Kent in. We'll cut me out, and we'll just kind of move right along with all of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, Denver Broncos, this, this week is, you know, a little different week. We typically do, you know, three storylines on offense, three storylines on defense, players to watch, you know, game predictions, all of that stuff. When it's me and Maddie, we typically issue that uh, that that particular structure, and we kind of go with our own little thing here. And this week is no different. Just like the Denver Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett, we're moving on without Kent and trying to do something a little bit Wait, different this week. You saying Kent was fired? No, Kent was not fired. The, Definitely which one not of us fired. Is Russell Wilson then? Like that—that's uh, the question. Which one of us is Russell Wilson? I feel like I feel it. No. No, that's not that's not nice. I was gonna say somebody. That's not nice. I mean, who's got their own well, private uh, private office and specialized uh, parking lot space and everything like that? I mean, that's hair products. Hair product. Mm, maybe, maybe, maybe. Let's. Maddie, I know that you have a kind of structure you want to hit. Yeah. So let's let you go ahead. 
Okay, uh, we can do that. So normally, anyone that's been with us through you know a few years now, when we've been doing these game previews, when we get to divisional opponents and we start getting the repeats, unless it's been a long time in between, you know, like the Chargers earlier this year, there was enough time in between that you could game preview that twice, and it made a little bit of a sense. The Chiefs just played the Broncos. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to rehash all of the exact same talking points again. So we usually go off a little different direction. So I wanted to stick with the same basic structure here. I want to talk about three very specific points. The first one being, what is one thing that if it happens in this game on the Chiefs, so on the Chiefs offensive side, Chiefs offense versus the Broncos defense, what is one thing that if it happens, it's going to make you feel super excited going into the playoffs? What is something um, that can happen in this game that gets you amped up for this Chiefs performance heading into the playoffs? I, I know exactly what it is. Came to mind immediately when you brought that up. Um, you you know the first one and a half quarters of the first game against the Broncos. Yeah, the, specifically the part where Patrick Mahomes threw for 224 yards and two touchdowns in a quarter and a half worth of work against the NFL, one of the NFL's top defenses. If that happens all game, or at least until Chad Henney comes in the game, I'm going to be very excited because uh, that that game was a tale of it's not two halves, a one and a half and a two and a half, basically, where the Chiefs offense was absolutely elite. Nothing could slow them down. And then they shot themselves in the foot, couldn't move the ball outside of one drive in the second half, basically. So uh, it raised a lot of questions. A lot of people looking at that game and going, hey, what happened to Mahomes? What happened to the offense? What's going on here? And it really was Evero doing a good job adjusting and taking stuff away for the Chiefs. If they can run basically an entire game because this defense is still playing hard. I know they don't have a ton to play for, but the defense is still playing ridiculously hard. If they can run the entire game on offense, I'm going to be extremely excited about what this offense is going to look like in the playoffs. Yeah, that w- I mean that would make sense because you go back and you watch this game and you you can't do this, but you remove just those turnover plays, not even the drives, but just these interceptions. The Chiefs were just moving the ball almost at will versus the Denver Broncos, and that's a really good defense, and they were making it look easy when things were happening. So, yeah, I mean, I get that. If that Chief, if the Chiefs' defense or offense can come out, they can move the ball with ease, do essentially whatever they want versus this really competent, this very good defense, I think that would speak volumes. Right? I definitely think that would speak volumes going into the playoffs. For me, it, it's the run game. Um, if the run game can come out and dominate, and I know the Chiefs are never going to be a team that's going to lean heavily on the run game, so I don't think it's ever going to point to that. It's never going to point to them becoming some kind of smash-mouth team. It's not going to be them deciding to run a bunch of gap scheme stuff or anything like that. But if they It can should be. Run, they won't. But if they can come out and they can control this game's tempo, if they can control this game through running the running the ball on the ground, they can essentially dominate the trenches. They can come out and showcase, okay, you want to play coverage against us, we can run the ball. Isaiah Pacheco, Derek McKinnon, these guys are ready to carry this load if you are going to give it to us. Do just enough to make teams have to respect that rushing attack. I think you're just adding layers to an offense that does need a little something else. Right now, Chiefs offense is great. And it's kind of like a one and a half, they have one and a half pitches right now, right? It's kind of this intermediate game. And then there's a little bit of these shot plays, a little bit, not a lot. And it depends on the game. There's just a tiny sprinkling of shot plays, whether it's off play action or it's finding MVS getting to slide deep over down the sideline. 
but that's kind of all they have. If they can get more consistent running the ball, you add another, you know, pitch, so to speak, into their into their rotation here. And this offense gets even that much more difficult to stop. So I think in this week, I think a week they might not want to show everything. They might not want to show all their cards. Seeing a quality run game in terms of efficiency might might go a long way in making me feel more confident. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with all of that. Like I, the run game, as Maddie said, is something that we we know is not going to be featured. We know is not going to be strong, but it's gotten them out of some tight moments so far this year. And I, that's been kind of the key. It's been one of the reasons why the offense has been so difficult to stop lately. You know, occasionally there'll be drives where they're just like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to run the ball. Isaiah Pacheco. Here you go, buddy. Jet McKinnon. Here you go. We're going to just hammer the rock for a little while. Let these offensive linemen lean on you. And it looks good. Like it does. There are moments where it looks really good. It's a really good defense. They're really good and not as good stopping the run as they are stopping the pass, certainly. But they're still a really good defense. So I, I would, I would like to see some of that as well. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Share this. Do all of that wonderful stuff that Kent usually tells you to do at this point in time every every week as we go through these things. Maddie, what's the second thing you're hitting here? leave a Tommy Townsend number of stars uh, for us too while yes. you're at it, please. Um, By the way, he's number see. he's number five in case oh, you, you didn't have that off the top of your head. Uh, I figured everybody was a fan like Tucker. The Chiefs did only run the ball 19 times versus the Broncos, despite being up in that first game. So yeah, I just, I think you might see a little more run game and it, I would prefer it to be better than 3.9 yards per carry, which is what it was in the first matchup. So I think yeah. that's something that might be worthwhile. Same thing, offensive side. What is one thing that if it happens, gives you concern going into the playoffs? What's something that if you see in this game, you're like, ooh, I don't like that because the game doesn't really matter that much for the Chiefs, but mm -hmm. what's something you don't want to see because it's going to raise your level of concern? And you can't say an injury. Uh, Josie Jewell picking Patrick Mahomes off because Mahomes isn't seeing him in the middle of the field again. That was terrifying. a little. That, that brought back maybe some early career Mahomes type stuff where he's just not seeing guys dropping out and into those sorts of lanes. I think everybody remembers Bill Belichick fooling him a couple of times. You know, Fred Warner got him in, you know, in the playoff or in the Super Bowl, you know, the year that they won it. There's been a couple of times where you've seen good linebackers get him and good linebackers are going to get him. Josie Jewell, who is having a really good year, don't get me wrong, not an elite coverage linebacker. He's really not that kind of guy, but he looked it against Patrick Mahomes this year and dropping him into those roles, dropping him into those throwing lanes and Patrick not seeing him is terrifying to me because if it happens again, you know, what's going to happen if they play the Bengals, you know, you're going to have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt in those same areas of the field. You know, what's going to happen against anybody, Matt Milano, you it, better linebackers than Josie Jewell, who again is having a really good season, but better linebackers than him are going to be weaponized in that exact same way if they show it again, if they show that susceptibility again. If he's able to look Josie Jewell off, hit stuff in the middle of the field, drop stuff over the top of him, well, guess what? Uh, teams, defensive coordinators are going to look at it and go, nah, nah, we need to don't try and copy that. That was a fluke, what happened in that first game. So I don't want to see that again. I, I just can't see that again because it did remind me of too much of early career Patrick, who was still elite, but – he could get got a few times in that way. 
So and I'm actually writing about this a little bit for the uh, KCSN Substack game preview article that's popping up tomorrow. Um, I I think Mahomes was trying to look off Josie Jewel. I think he was trying to beat him with his eyes. I think he saw him. I think he was trying to beat him with his eyes. And, uh, you know, spoiler for this article, Denver Broncos play some really darn good sound zone defense. And it's not just like corners. It's everybody on that team. So, like, maybe don't try that. Maybe we don't try to look a guy out of his zone assignment and then put the ball in behind him. Maybe we just go ahead and go to the open part of the zone and not try to manipulate them because that backfired hard in the first game. So yeah, I'm with you. That would that would not be good. Um, that would, you know, you would think you'd probably rattle a little bit of confidence in Mahomes, and it just makes you start to wonder a little bit, is he trying to press a little too much? Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into mine. Um, if the Chiefs vertical passing attack is still not existent, I mean, I I'm one of the few people that I think he kind of continuously harps on this because the Chiefs offense is really darn good. They're one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. So like it's kind of hard to feel like an offense that has a fatal flaw is there. But I just don't think the Chiefs scare anybody with their vertical passing attack. I don't think any defense they go up against is like, oh, wow, we got to put a cap on Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Sure, MVS has gotten a few teams this year. But if you go through and look, when he's having these games with a huge yards per catch average, like yards per reception, he's getting one or two catches in that game. It's not like he's getting beating them over and over again down deep. He's getting them once or twice. Then they're figuring it out a little bit, and that's kind of it. When he has multiple receptions in a game, 8.7 yards you know, per average. Like Besides the Bengals game. The Bengals game was a big one, and that was still only two catches. So it's just he's become a little bit more of a possession receiver that has the occasional shot, deep shot that connects. But when it does, that's the only one. So I just the lack of vertical presence on this team does scare me a little bit. If they really struggle again for what would be the third week in a row to really press the ball downfield and against a team that I don't think is going to go out of their way to to stop that, to completely take it away, then it's a little concerning going into the playoffs because we've seen teams do that to the Chiefs. And once you take away that deep ball, it becomes a lot easier to double-team Travis Kelsey, to throw an extra couple defenders in the middle of the field to defend Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey and force the Chiefs into these one-on-one matchups on the outside. And if they're not winning them, if they don't have that chemistry, if they're not finding ways to get these guys open, it gets a little ugly at times. So I just, I would like to see them get back into some plays. I don't even need, you know, the bombs away 2018 offense. Mm-hmm. Just in a deep corner hit on a go route at one point in time you even get a guy's open i don't even care if you miss it if you can get some guys open and get some actual good looks and the ball can be delivered and it just happens to be dropped or overthrown that's fine with me just get some of these plays going because i do think that element to the chiefs passing attack really isn't there yeah and especially the way that the offensive line played last week against the Seattle Seahawks uh if if randy gregory can't go this week he he's a two Two do not practices or did not practice um, this week so far. So if he cannot go this week, that kind of neuters the the Broncos passing, you know, pass rush, especially since Baron Browning also looks like he's not good to go either. So dial up a few more long shot plays, dial up some stuff where you can target downfield. This is against these top defenses here. This is when we see Andy break the mold sometimes. You know, it doesn't keep things so close to the vest. He wants to remind people, put you know, kind of, kind of lean on them a little bit and be like, "You see what I can do to a top defense? This, this is what I can do." You know, just as kind of a, 
a reminder and to put a little something more on the plate of some of the defensive coordinators that they're looking at there. So, yeah, I, I can absolutely see dial up a few more, especially since you'll likely have the time to do it this week. All right, Maddie. Next point, what you got here, buddy? All right, so this this one creeps into the territory of everything else, but you know we're, we'll round it out with this one because I wanted to match the three that uh, Kent's outline usually has on it for us. Um, what is something? I like, that, which I is like that we call it Kent's outline. Like it's, it's his. Like he's is, forcing us into it. He is. What is something <laughs> that you expect to see? Just what is something in this game that's kind of you know maybe a little outside the norm that you just expect to see that people might find surprising if you say it right now. Um. Oh, I don't know. You have one off the top of your head. Let me think on this one a little bit. Yeah, I okay. I think the Chiefs are going to continue to play a lot of heavy personnel. I think we saw it a lot last mm. week versus mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks, and it frustrated me mightily. Um, going back to my previous point about having no vertical presence, it's hard to have a vertical presence when you put three tight ends, one of which is Michael Burton out there with Justin Watson at the same time. Like that's really difficult to get a vertical presence from that you know that personnel package, but. I mean, the Chiefs did find some success doing it. It can lead to some innovation for their run game. It can allow their run game to work a little bit more. Mahomes has proven that he's good enough that if you want to call a pass play out of that, he can find somebody open at some point in time. It's like their offense can function if they go with more heavy personnel. I just think you might see the Chiefs kind of hunker down and heavy personnel for the rest of the year, heavier personnel for the rest of the year, throwing more looks out there, showing these things that, won't come back in full force for the playoffs, but you'll see them using drives or in situations. They're trying to perfect some of this stuff, especially now that you're getting Blake Bell back, finally healthy, getting his first reps. They might want to work him in there in these specialized packages that they're going to see for the playoffs. I think everything you see from the Chiefs right now is specifically designed to get them ready for the playoffs. And I think they're heavy, the head a lot, the Frequent use of heavy personnel packages is for situational aspects it come playoff time. And I think you just might see a lot of it again in this game. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
yeah, they're they're not bringing Blake Bell back just because they wanted to have a third tight end. He's got a very clear role, and I thought it was very interesting that his very clear role as an inline tight end is a good blocker was usually saddled with Michael Burton next to him as well. Another yeah. good blocker. It, it was very interesting to see that personnel out there. That's not something that's been super common for the Chiefs. I mean, they've been on the field together, but usually Burton's in the backfield. He's not He's not as an attached tight end in the ways that he was. So that's definitely something that Andy's just kind of teasing out there. It it 1,000% it is, and I'm interested to see where that's going. I'm, I'm with and you. And they there, did Maddie. some some of that stuff where they put their they have two tight ends aligned essentially as wings like not mm -hmm. even not sniffers not in line but like yeah. their wings and they're just there to offer a quick chip to the tackles and then they're getting out into routes and they've been doing that with Jarek McKinnon Travis Kelsey wide receivers like they've done it with everyone it was really odd to see Burton in that role multiple times because I'm trying to figure out what what's the playoff that why are we specifically using Burton? Because he's not staying there to block. He's just chipping and releasing. Why are we chipping and releasing with the fullbacks? I, I noticed it, and I wonder if it comes back. Because there's definitely something else that goes into that. Because anybody else can provide the same level of help that he was on that particular play. Anybody, We could go out there and do it. We can't catch the pass, but we could do what he did. I'm, all I'm saying... Michael Burton, 60-yard wheel route touchdown. I, I'm just saying it, it's going to happen. It's in my head. Right. What do you <laughs> got? Happen. All right, mine, um, we're going to see more of the screen game. Uh, the, it, it has sort of dialed up as of late and specifically with Jarek McKinnon as of late. Creed Humphrey, I know that it, he loves getting out in space. I mean, that, that man lives to run in front of somebody and get out in space. But it's happening with Trey Smith. It's happening with Orlando Brown Jr. We're seeing these guys have an impact on the game in space time and time again they're getting a little more creative with the way that they're using them they're pulling them around maybe you know getting some stuff that looks a little bit like gt counter and then throwing a screen opposite of it and they're they're getting very intricate with the screen game and it has been a little while this season that we haven't seen it as much now that we've seen some of those inside screens some of that stuff that that you see get blown up maybe a little too regularly this is stuff out to the flat these are dump offs that are going for big yards explosive plays when this team played the broncos last time jarek mckinnon had seven catches for 112 yards and a couple of tutties like it is almost expected at this point that Jarek McKinnon is going to get loose on one of these plays. He's going to find some space where he can run behind this, you know, these athletic offensive linemen when well, offensive linemen when they get in out in space. And yes, that includes Orlando Brown Jr. when he's out in space because he he actually does pretty well there. They have found a way to incorporate that more and more as of late. Jarek McKinnon now has a touchdown in four straight games, a receiving touchdown. I expect it to be five. I think that they're going to find a way to do that. I think he's going to score from outside the 20. We're just going to see that get to be a bigger focal point of the Chiefs offense. That's when Andy's really in his bag. The way that he can design screens, the way that he can get creative with that stuff is really interesting. And, you know, all these former players that have played for them, guys that have played against him, always harp on, man, Andy's screens are so damn difficult to defend, so damn difficult to execute. Like the level of precision required to do that stuff is top notch. We're seeing more of them. I think we're going to see that ramp into the playoffs as well. And I expect it to continue this week. Ooh, I like it. I do like it. That's uh, 
And anytime this happens, we have a good chance that Trey Smith kills a man. So uh, yes. I'm in. Oh, God, I love it. I'm in. Um, okay, <laughs> so players to watch. We're still going to keep this part of it. So do you have an offensive player to watch that maybe is different from Jarek McKinnon? Or it can be Jarek McKinnon again. That's fine, too. I'm okay with that. I mean, no, I'll, I'll let Jarek McKinnon go. Um, I, we're going to continue along with Orlando Brown Jr. Um, we're, we're seeing several good performances in a row here. He has played well as of late. This yeah. is exactly the scenario that we saw last year where the beginning of the year, you're watching him and you're going, oh, no. Oh, no. They made a mistake. They they traded for the wrong guy. They're doing all this for the wrong guy. And then slowly as the year goes along, you see him grow. You see him grow into that, grow into the, the December-January timeline, which when you want him to be at his best – I expect that to continue. Uh, this pass rush, not super dangerous. They just handled a much better pass rush in that Seattle Seahawks pass rush, and they did it pretty handily. So I fully expect that he's going to have a lot more success containing things. He's going to have a lot more success when they lean on him, when they're running the ball. He's going to have a lot of success when he gets on the move as well. I think this is a good Orlando Brown Jr. game, and I think this is another one that we can point to, and we can just basically sit here and go, Man, that's like four in a row of really good games. Is this the guy that you're going to get consistently? If so, how much does he cost to keep in Kansas City? That's a good one. It's a yeah, not the biggest test unless Randy Gregory's playing, but it's definitely right. you still want to see him continue to build because he has he's been doing good. So you want to see him continue to yeah. build it. For me, uh, it's it's time we got to do it. It's Sky Moore because. If you can't get some playing time, if you can't become part of the offense after whatever that pitiful performance was by Justin Watson last week against the Seattle Seahawks, it's not coming this year. Okay, I don't, I've never bought in that he's being saved for the playoffs. I've never bought in that there's some kind of super secret plan to unleash him late. I always, from the beginning of the year, said it's going to be a slow ramp up that he's going to really take off, quote unquote, in the latter half of the year, come post by week. It looked like we were getting it it looked like it was there. It was on the verge of happening when they were forced to use him for two games. And then guess what? They were no longer forced to use him. And Andy and company could not have pulled the plug faster on the Skyboard experiment than when that happened. Now, part of it was he was forced into the gadget player role because Tony and Hardman were hurt. And I really don't think that they loved him in that role, whether he wasn't executing what they wanted or they just didn't like it. I really don't think that was a great spot for him. And they just wanted to keep that in, in the rotation with Tony back. I thought that maybe he would resume back to, you know, his quality stretch that he had there in the middle of the season. No, it has not happened. So if there's going to be a turn again, everything the chiefs do is going to be on purpose right now for the playoffs. If you see sky more, I don't even want to say necessarily get more snaps, but he becomes more involved. He's no longer running bubbles on the backside of RPOs. He's not just running slants or trying to stock block a linebacker with your smallest receiver. Like if he's doing actual things, if he's taking some of what Justin Watson's been doing and they're giving them the occasional target or just an expanded thing, it's worth noting because this is the week it would start to happen. They would like to get him reps before the playoffs if that's something they're even considering. If it doesn't happen, if it's the exact same role and it's everything's funneling through Watson and MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, which is fine, again, then okay. Just sit back and wait and wait till the offseason and we can talk about, hey, did the Chiefs miss on this pick and do they need to draft another wide receiver early? What do they have there? Like, we can do that then. Just we can move Sky more out of the uh, the bucket of will contribute this year if he can't start to get a bigger role after whatever Justin Watson just did. 
Yeah, that's uh, this is kind of make or break time for this year. You don't have to write them off. Like again, that's what Maddie said. We can get to the offseason. We have that conversation in the offseason at that point. Don't have to write them off, but y- you got to see some ramp. It's not just you know stashing him behind Andy Reid, just literally having him stand behind Andy Reid for an entire regular season, then get to the playoffs and go, and here you go. No, that's not how that works. That's not what Andy's ever done. We have seen him ramp guys up. This is when Jarek McKinnon started to come into his Yeah, look at McKinnon even this year. Like, There's your exact comparison for a stash. It's still a guy Mm -hmm. that's starting to become more prevalent down the stretch for the past month and you know month plus of the season because yeah. that's how you prepare a guy for the playoffs not by just absolutely. throwing him out there as a rookie <laughs> absolutely all right maddie are we switching to the defensive side of the ball now yeah i think so i think it's a good time <laughs> to to jump over to the defensive side and we're gonna i mean one your defense rocking rolling coming off one of their best performances of the year that they've had uh, the last time they played the Broncos, maybe wasn't the best performance of the year that they have had. Um, what? Actually, take that back. We talked about it a lot. The turnovers really put them in a bind. They really yeah. weren't bad outside of some of that stuff. Um, what's one thing defensively that if it happens, you're feeling real good going into the playoffs with this Chiefs defense? I mean, keep that defensive line rhythm going at this point. Uh, you know, defensive line and rushing the passer is definitely a, a rhythm game. It is when you're hot, you're hot, you keep it going. And when it feels like everything's working, that's when everything seems to just come easily. We saw last year or last week a couple of times, and I realized that there were only a couple of sacks there, but a couple of times, especially on George Karloftis' sack, all four guys met at the quarterback. And that's not something that we see too often out of Spagnolo's pass rush, especially with these guys that he's got there. You know, it, it Geno Smith was turtling before George got there because Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Mike Dana were all right on top of him. Like they, they, they were there. One of those guys was getting that. That was kind of what we got to see a little bit against the Broncos this past time. The Chiefs had five sacks in that game, and it could, it felt like it could have been more. They were fairly relentless getting after Russell Wilson. Continue that because that defensive line was absolutely dominant against the Seattle Seahawks. The Denver Broncos offensive line is not great. It is really not great. And Russell Wilson holds on to the ball too damn long. This is prime time to get after it again, get some quarterback hits, affect the passer in a measurable way. Again, keep the sacks, the pressures, the negative plays coming because that is kind of the identity of this team right here and now and that is the identity of this team that can actually play a major role in the playoffs here it's not you know coming up with a ton of stops forcing a ton of punts although they did that against seattle it is coming up with sacks coming up with negative plays and doing it often enough to get off the field on select drives it's not an every drive sort of thing you've got to just be absolutely dominant on a couple of drives, force the offense back, force a punt that sets Patrick Mahomes and the offense up with great field position. I want to see more of that because this is a, much like I talked about with Orlando Brown Jr., this is one that you should see this pass rush, this defensive line, continue what they've been doing, continue the streak of good games, and continue to be dominant against an offensive line and a quarterback that they should be able to just absolutely dominate. For me... 
I think it's we're gonna stick with the we're gonna the linebackers. Um, if they can continue, especially Willie Gay, to show growth as kind of zone defenders over the middle of the field. I believe Steve Spagnuolo actually had a or Brendan Daly had a quote about it today, just talking about how he's seen growth from Willie Gay in that exact role, and that he's seen you know inconsistencies to start the year, and as the year's going on, he's getting better. And he was talking about just how he's seen him growing, just with his ability to identify routes coming into his area, where his eyes are at during these plays and how he's reacting. And I think Willie Gay's coming off of one of his best performances, you know, as for, for in the NFL, some of it in coverage, some of it versus the run. But I think that at the end of the day, Willie Gay, there's a lot of pressure on him to be the Chiefs coverage linebacker. Cause it's kind of, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to take that role. And Nick Bolton is going to get the dime reps. He's going to get the most reps in coverage, but just, even what they have him do in coverage is very much, it's just basic, it's baseline. You're kind of here in the middle of the field denying an area. Whereas Willie Gay gets some man coverage reps. He's the guy that has to actually work out and play a curl and a flat. So he's playing technically two areas of the field. He's sorting out number two and number three wide receivers at time and which one he needs to undercut and win. Like He's got a lot more dynamic of a role. So as he improves in that, that's going to one, make it easier for everyone else, but it gives the Chiefs somebody that they can throw out there and be like, hey, Cincinnati, you want to throw 18 passes or whatever it was over the middle of the field? We have someone that can maybe counter that a little bit because the Chiefs weren't doing a good job at that in their first matchup. The Bills found some space over the middle of the field. So just getting Willie Gay to continue to improve, to play really good zone coverage over the middle of the field and give the Chiefs this other option. Now you don't have to be in dime with Brian Cook able to roll down into that area. You can stay in nickel more. You can do a little bit more with slightly or heavier, per, heavier personnel. So I just, I got my eye squarely on Willie Gay. Can he build on last week's performance match? You know what that was again, and especially, like I said, in coverage, that's really where I'm watching. I think I kind of know what Willie is in the run game. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows, but it's going to look really cool during the highs. And so like, that's, that's fine where we live with that. It's right now. I just want to see more consistency and coverage. And I think that we got a really good jumping off point last week. I just wonder if he can continue to build on it. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Entertain. Educate. Inform KC Sports Network. I mean, it seems like every week Willie does something superhuman. Um, <laughs> like this this past week was him. 
I I don't want to even use the word stacks a tight end because stack makes it seem like you know he's he's controlling him and you know just kind of slowly reading him. But he he ran through him like it, he absolutely ran through him straight to the running back and forced the bounce out wide. I mean the last time the Broncos you know saw the Chiefs, Willie Gay tipped a pass to himself and then ran for forty seven yards for a touchdown. Like we are seeing consistent big splash plays but yes maddie's right we are also seeing consistent zone drops consistent coverage asks that are much better than what we have seen before and if they can get those if all of a sudden second down can become one that they are more comfortable with that they can come up with more stops take away some of those quick passes in the middle of the field quick passes to the flat i mean I know it's it's not rocket science here, but like it, it it makes you that much better. It just makes you that much better knowing that you can rely on that guy to eliminate part of the field. All right, we had a lot of fun. Let's let's go negative. I'll lead this one off. If the Chiefs are completely unable to slow down Jerry Judy at all again, <sighs> that will be a cause of concern. Um, yeah. So. Last week, the Chiefs sent Legereus Sneed at DK Metcalf. He shadowed him around. He did a very good job in that role. DK Metcalf still had nine targets, seven catches for 81 yards. Not a stat line that's going to blow you away. Not enough to win the game, but it's not like he was shut down. Yes, there was a, what, 35-yarder, or was it longer than that even? There was a long play in there that that made up a chunk of those yards. I'm not saying Sneed did a bad job. He did a good job, but it still resulted in him having 81 yards, Right. And that's against a team that has no other options because Tyler Lockett was hurt, Noah Fant was injured, and they just simply don't have other options. What are the Broncos, another team that really only has one option at receiver? I know Cortland Sutton's still there, so like I guess you know they do have a few more, but like Jerry Judy is the guy that killed them last time out. Do the Chiefs have an answer? If they don't, whether it's a Sneed, whether it's you know um, anyone that they're going to have matched up with them, any of the rookies are going to be out there, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, whoever it's going to be, if they're getting beat by him the way they were last time or just their zone coverage, that's going to give me a little bit of pause. Because here's the thing, the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl are going to have to beat either the Bills and Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs or the Bengals and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd or, I mean, or possibly or and the Chargers again. And they've done it, don't get me wrong, but Keenan Allen's hitting healthier now. He's playing well. Mike Williams looks like he's somewhat healthy again now. Like Every other team that they're going to have to beat, these good teams, the Dolphins with uh hill and water like you're not going to be able to just throw your best corner at one big wide receiver say hey it's okay if he has 80 to 100 yards if he's the only guy doing anything and you're challenging him every play he's not doing enough to beat you we'll make everyone else beat us the thing is other teams have guys that can beat you so, like i just don't want the chiefs when they're not able to shadow a specific receiver legerious sneed like they have been with dk metcalf will they be able to stop a number one wide receiver from going off so I just want to see how they look against Jerry Judy. He should be the guy they're all focusing on leading up to this game. After what happened last time, he was talking a lot of smack. He was he was dicing them up. So what mm-hmm. does that look like? I do think they need to start doing a little better against wide receiver ones. And if it, it can't just always be, hey, Legereus need to go chase him around and hope it's not a great game. I mean, Nick Bolton chased him across on a jet motion this past week and, and made a tackle for no gain. So Nick Bolton... Oh Shut down DK Metcalf, buddy. Like it's we're true. gonna put him just just on Jerry Judy. No, um, they got to get off the field on third and long. This was the game that 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 broke me a little bit mentally. 
watching this happen time and time again. And it wasn't, you know, the Chiefs jumped out to a 27-point lead. And so a lot of the analysis was, okay, defense isn't showing much anything. They're playing soft, blah, 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 you know, doing all that stuff. It wasn't just then that the Broncos were converting these third and longs or third and mediums. I mean, in the first drive alone, Denver had a third and nine. 10-yard passing play, a third and 10, an 11-yard passing play, a third and four, a five-yard run, and a third and 11 that was an incomplete pass. They get off the field. They force a punt at that point. The second drive, a third and 16, they allow 11 yards. Now, the Broncos are too scared. They're not going to go for it in that scenario. They don't have the offense to play in that scenario. But those are the ones that the Bengals and the Bills are going to look at that and they're like, hell yeah, we picked up 11 yards on third and 16. We're going forward on fourth and five. You know, they're, they're going to be the teams that are going to extend drives by doing that. Get off the field. Stop it for a small gain. Don't allow these big chunk plays on third and long. You have to do a much better job of that. We saw against the Raiders earlier this season, there was a big third and long play that the Chiefs, you know, don't they miss a couple of tackles? It ends up being a fourth and one. What happens? Raiders play action, hit over the top for a big long touchdown pass. That is happening frequently this season with this defense. It did not happen against the Seattle Seahawks. How much of that was the cold affecting the game plan? The Seattle Seahawks just having an off day, or the Chiefs actually being dominant with the defensive line, being good in coverage, which they were in that game. Or is this something that we're going to see it revert? So it kind of goes hand in hand with Maddie says there. If if you're in third and 10 and Jerry Judy is catching a bunch of 12-yard passes time and time and time again, I'm pissed off again because that's terrifying. It's just going to happen. That's what's going to happen in the playoffs. That's what this team is at that point. You still have a chance to rectify that. Comes with the pass rush, comes with playing good coverage, but it is the situational aspect of it right now that is killing this team when they do do a good job of getting ahead of the sticks on occasion. All right, it's time. What do you? What is something you expect to see that might be you know a little out of left field? What is something that the fans should prepare to see from this game from the Chiefs defense? Oh, from the Chiefs defense, um. Man, I just I expect I expect a lot of of man coverage against this against this Broncos, you know, set of wide receivers. This is one of the few chances that you're going to have to see these guys test their metal against this group of players. It's a pretty good receiving group if they're all playing, if Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton can both go. That's a good test especially if Greg Dolchich, Dolchich can go as well. It doesn't look like either like any of those guys is a true go for this weekend. But if those three can go, you're going to play some man coverage against those guys, and you're going to be able to test. Say, okay, here we are. We played some man against DK last week. We've, we've kind of shifted some stuff around. Let's line up in this one because we know the password should get home. We know that they should affect Russell Wilson. Let's see if we can hold our own a little bit better in man coverage. These young guys haven't gotten a ton of man reps. Yeah, sure. They've gotten they've gotten some in some two-man scenarios, but they played a lot of zone this year. Get them some more man reps. Get them a little more comfortable in those roles. Get them a little more comfortable, you know, some of these banjos and switches and things like that that we've seen them miscommunicate 
especially in the red zone this year. We've seen a lot of miscommunication in those band coverage reps. Get some more exercise in those roles against a set of pretty good receivers and just see, you know, use your, use that as a measuring stick. If it's not working, go ahead and make the switch, you know, get, get back to what you were doing before, you know, switch maybe mid game. Hell, hopefully not earlier than that, because that means that the defense is getting torched, but give yourself the actual physical reps on the sideline there. For me, uh, I think the Chiefs are going to tackle well. I think the Chiefs are going to fly around. They're going to hit and they're going to tackle. Um, they've, they've been better at it these past few weeks. There's, there was a stark upturn in, I don't know, desire, effort, technique, or just how hard they were hitting in after the Bengals game. And I think it kind of came to its peak last week for Seattle in the first half. I think Seattle came back in the second half and punched them in the mouth. And then there was not poor tackling, but they were definitely sliding off a few more tackles. They were definitely kind of grabbing and not hitting anymore there for a while. It was cold. Seattle said, hey, we're going to deal with this cold and we're going to make it suck for you. And it did for a minute, but they were able to absorb it. They were able to survive a couple drives where that was happening and then get back to it. And then we're seeing defensive backs, rookies, linebackers, defensive line. We're seeing everybody get in making these tackles. And some of them are big hits. Some of them are, you know, perfect textbook wrap up tackles. Just, I think there has been a big emphasis on that for the Chiefs these past few weeks. And I do think it's starting to show. I think you'll continue to see it this game. And I think it's something that, as fans, we haven't done a good job appreciating because you just expect guys to tackle, right? When a yeah. guy's in the open, he has <laughs> someone lined up, you expect him to make the tackle. You notice it when, like the Bengals game, every single play seems like they are not making it. But when they are, you just gloss over it and you don't show it any appreciation. So I think, you know, coming out of this game, I think we'll see a little bit of a turn because it'll just be enough volume now in a row of the team putting together quality tackling performances and that's nice the chiefs need that if the chiefs do a good job of not getting beat vertically too frequently but they have to when they do that they do have to come down and make tackles to stay and not lose on every first down that's an issue they've had so i like that so far um players to watch on the defensive side of the football who are your eyes locked on to greg give me the shark do it um, okay. Frank Clark, buddy, going up again, Billy Turner, if, if he plays, I know that he got, I think it was just a rest day yesterday, and Cameron Fleming. Those guys should be right for the picking for Frank Clark, especially the way that he is playing right this very moment. We are seeing closer to playoff Frank in 2019 than we have at any point since that moment. And he's looked really good not just the past couple of weeks, but for most of the season. I want to see some of these pressures, some more of these QB hits turn into actual sacks because right now he's got five. He's second on the team in sacks with five. Chris is obviously, Chris Jones is obviously leading everybody with 12. I, realistically, I think Frank's having an eight to 10 sack season without the stats to show it. He's playing that level of quality off the edge there. And he hasn't been able to close the deal on some of these sacks for whatever reason. I want to see a few of them. And this is the prime time to do it again. Like we said, longer pass drops, an offensive line. That's not particularly good. A guy that wants to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. Frank getting two in this game would be a monster game for him would be kind of commiserate with how he is playing right now. So give me Frank. I see your calling of a guy to have a big game. I'm going to do the same. Trent McDuffie 
Yeah. I think it's time. I mean, not that he's been poor. Um, you had mentioned earlier some red zone miscommunications. I actually think Trent's been involved with a couple of those. And one of them, I remember he definitely was wrong. It might have even been this Broncos game. Some of the others, it would be, you know, it maybe he wasn't wrong is what it looked like to me. But I know there was one specifically where I thought he was definitely wrong. Maybe he wasn't all of them. I don't know. He's a rookie. Things happen. But outside of stuff like that, he's been excellent. Tackling, playing guys into the sideline, his coverage, whether it's in zone or man coverage, like he's been kind of everything that the Chiefs could have possibly hoped for. I just don't know if he's really got any stats to prove it yet. He doesn't have stats to back it up. There's not a ton of, you know, balls batted down, not a ton of pass breakups, not a ton of interceptions. Like there's just, there's not a lot of quote unquote production to stack into it. I think this game, we might get one. I think he'll play equally as good as he has been. I think the Broncos will try to do a lot to maybe get Jerry Judy matched up on him. They might get, try to get Cortland Sutton. Is so Cortland Sutton playing? I feel like Cortland Sutton's been like very quiet. He, he is super banged up right okay. now and hadn't practiced yet this this week okay okay so that i had not checked on that so even if he's not playing they might be just trying to get jerry judy on him they'll probably take their joshua williams matchups when they get it it's just i think we're due for trent mcduffie finally getting you know really into the stat sheet i think it'll be this week last week against seattle they tested him twice vertically downfield a couple times but two times i remember on the sideline he was in perfect position one of them was Juan thornhill's uh interception the one that counted Another one he had forced, I believe it was Goodwin, to just turn back and turn it into a comeback route because McDuffie was topping it all the way and it ended up just being a throwaway by Geno Smith because he tried to throw the fade route. Like He's been really good. I want to see the production come. I think it'll be this week. Russell Wilson will definitely give you opportunities. So got my eyes on Trent finally coming through, getting some stats here. Got you know We got our Huskies out playing right now. We got to rep the brand for old Trent coming through. Um is this all we do? Is there anything else for game previews besides score predictions? Is that all that's up next, Craig? Um, no, I think I think we just got score pre- predictions and we'll close this thing out. I can go ahead and start here, Maddie. Um, I we'll we'll start with this because we haven't really mentioned it at all. Nathaniel Hackett obviously fired this week after an absolutely pathetic performance, <laughs> just just absolutely terrible. Lots of discourse about Russell Wilson. And everything that's going on with him inside the Broncos facility reportedly has his own private office, his own private parking spaces and things like that, that, you know, we've seen former NFL players, Shannon Sharp, Andrew Whitworth, both being like, yo, that's, that's not right. And those are, you know, not things that we have been terribly, you know, concerned with because luckily we don't have to deal with that in Kansas city, but against teams where they've replaced their head coach. Those teams are 14 and nine straight up the game after firing their head coach since 2010. I know it seems like these guys turn things around more often that they've got this, you know, just overwhelming record. It's not quite as overwhelming as it seems. However, most of these teams are awful when they fire their head coaches. And so getting a win is a massive deal there. They're also 14 and nine against the spread. By the way, all of those are wins. None of them. It's not like any of those teams lost and covered the spread. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be 14 and 10 after this week because Frankly, this Denver Broncos defense is really good. Evero is still coaching for his job. I mean, he is. He he wants to stay in Denver. If he doesn't get to stay in Denver, he's going to be highly sought after somewhere else. And showing that he can stop Patrick Mahomes again is a big part of that. So 
this defense is going to be flying around. This offense wants to get things right because, you know, they just fired their head coach. Things look bad. They're supporting their quarterback. I just don't think it's going to matter. I, I think the Chiefs are a class above them. I think that the offense for the Broncos is not going to be able to move the ball particularly well. I think they're going to get into a hole again. Chiefs are going to jump out on them, get them in a hole again, and this time they're not coming back. So I think the Chiefs are going to win this one 35-10. to 10. Teams play really good for interim head coaches. They really do. Like that first week, sorry, the first week they play them, they play very well. It's like all of a sudden there's this new energy. Guys want to impress. Maybe you buy into the, I'm earning my paycheck for the next guy. I'm auditioning, whatever it is. Teams, the NFL level, even in college, they seem to play really hard for an interim coach the very first game. Like that seems to be where it comes in, right? So. What will the Broncos do? There's This is why I don't know if I buy fully into this. Boy, those guys sure seem to hate Russell Wilson. Like, <laughs> boy, does those guys out there on the field sure seem to dislike their starting quarterback. Like, what Especially are you going to do on when, defense. You're, <laughs> when you're out there and you're trying to put your best foot forward for this new interim coach and, like, everything about it just seems to relate to you playing really well. But then, on the other hand, the backup quarterbacks having to come talk to you and almost getting into fist fights because he's trying to defend this Russell Wilson character that you absolutely despise with every ounce of your being. What's going to happen? I don't, I feel like the Broncos come out, they play kind of tough to start the game. It looks like it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a mud fight out there between both sides. I think the chiefs kind of start executing. They look like they belong in a different class at some point in time. It no longer becomes worth it to, give 125% to not just, you know, an interim coach that wasn't with you all year, but also to Russell Wilson. And I think kind of by halftime, I don't think the Broncos necessarily quit, but they just very much start to check out a little bit. And then God, next week might be really ugly for that. Oh, I don't even know yeah. who they play, but they might be oh. real ugly come next week. So I think you get a half of them trying. I still think the Chiefs take this one out 27 to 12 is what we're going to go with in this one. But I think the beginning of the uh, the game is going to be a little a little ugly. I have another prediction. I need you to make a prediction that's not the score. Bengals Broncos win. Coach. Broncos head coach oh. next year. Yeah, that's a good one too. I, I'm also <laughs> predicting the Bengals. Um, yeah, so we should touch on that real quick. Everybody in here is a Bengals fan. We want the Bills to lose. We do have to, in fact, root for Joe the, Burrow. The, um, the Bengals can and- win this one game, and then we can continue to dislike them after that. Yeah, pretend that you like Joe Burrow for a week like everybody does. Like everyone just pretends they like him. You can do it for one day and so that he can beat the Buffalo Bills. Um, But yeah, who's going to be the Broncos head coach next year? Oh, it's not Sean Payton. I know that that I know that that uh, that little bird's been singing a little bit. But no, I, I don't think it's Sean Payton. He wants his own quarterback, and I think he wants to draft a young guy. He does not want to be saddled with Russell Wilson. You know what? I'm, I'm going to say it. Eric Bieniemy. Um, I, I know that that goes against what they just did, where they just hired an offensive coordinator from a team whose head coach calls the plays, and it did not work out particularly well because Nathaniel Hackett, frankly, does not command a room like Eric Bieniemy would. Uh, listen, guys want to play for Eric Bieniemy. You were hating on the Tugalicious. I. The man said Tugalicious. They should have fired him on the spot right then and there. Eric Bieniemy commands a room. Like you, you can say what you want. He demands accountability. I know, you know, there was all that stuff with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, all that stuff behind the scenes. And we we know that Andy Reid 
is calling the plays. If you didn't realize that, still, Travis Kelsey told you that on his podcast this week. I I think that Eric Bieniemy is a good enough motivator, and there there are a ton of head coaches that are just that great motivators that get guys to play, surround themselves with quality offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators to be good enough. And, you know, I, I think this is the year that Eric Bieniemy finally gets a shot to lead a team because, frankly, the Denver Broncos could use some accountability in that building based on everything we've heard. Bieniemy comes in there, rips Russell Wilson a new one, tries to hit the reset button. I don't think that that's a bad thing for that organization. For me, I mean, I think it it, it makes sense. Um, you know, we maybe can talk about it more when they actually make a hire. I think the Broncos are going to have a hard time filling this spot with um, oh, yeah. hot head coaching candidates. So, like the Sean Payton stuff, you, you know. Um, I get Eric Bieniemy because he kind of seems like he fits in this next category. I'm about to say, even though he has not technically hit the one criteria, um, I think they're going to get a recycled head coach. They're going to get somebody that's on shot two or three that had maybe hasn't done it for a couple years because who else is going to take that job? Who else is going to want that job with Russell Wilson besides somebody that's just been itching to get back to being a head coach after rebuilding up their resume after a failed first experience? You know, a Josh McDaniels, it was with the Broncos, but like that level of guy. So I got my eyes on someone like Leslie Frazier. Um, mm-hmm. You have an offensive guy. Now you bring in the defensive guy. You kind of flip back and forth. Maybe Evero doesn't stay. Maybe he's got better offers elsewhere, which he probably does. Um, yes, please. Um, Leslie Frazier, good job with uh, the Bucks. You know, decent job with the Bucks and the defensive coordinator back in the day. Then he jumps over to Baltimore in the secondary before landing in Buffalo, where he's really built that defense right. up exceptionally well. He deserves another chance. He's a kind of guy that could come in, command a room. You're at least going to build a solid defense, so you know that's going to remain the same. He can essentially be your scapegoat for Russell Wilson's struggles while you try to bring in an OC that's maybe more up and coming there to fix it. And that's just where I think they have to go. They have to get a vet coach that's kind of coming back for round two. So I don't know who else wants to hitch their wagon to Russell Wilson right now. I know. And it's sad that it's going to take that for a guy like Eric Bieniemy maybe to get a head coaching position. Yeah. It really does suck because, yeah, he should be in the at this point if he's looking for a head coaching job he should be in the recycled head coaches like he should have gotten a shot to try and lead the team i know the platitudes i know i know everything that that we know in kansas city and all of that but honestly dudes want to play for him and that's that's what matters and that's what that team needs right now matt you got anything else before we get out of here sir no, no, I think that was it. I think I think we've wrapped it up. Um, this is whew, this feels like one of the, the best game previews we had. We didn't even like you know what kind of the game preview. It just like you know it felt like there was good information there. It felt good. This is do, a good show. Do you do you feel like maybe we um we're on the fourteen side of the fourteen and nine today? Maybe maybe a, maybe a little bit like we like we got a dub after an interim head coach that's going to do it for the game preview for the KC lab this week. Thank you all for joining us. Like share, subscribe, drop a five-star review for us on Apple or Spotify. We will be back with the post game show. Ideally after the chiefs take care of business against the Denver Broncos, be kind to each other and we will catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC sports network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current.
plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.